Beloved, we open up back to the Gospel of John, chapter 18. They were, we were there this morning. And verse 6 is, is really the verse I want to focus on with you this evening. Verse 5, though, uh, has some important things to say related to it. Uh, and I think it is helpful to go ahead and just read beginning at the chapter, verse 1, through verse 6. But I want to draw to your attention, we're going to be focusing on John chapter 18, verse 6. Again, I'd like to read into that verse from verse 1 of chapter 18. Verse 5 and 6 are really our, what we're giving most of our attention to, verse 6 in particular. And I'll explain as we go. Hear now the word of the Lord, John 18, 1 to 6. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Cedron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft-times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons." Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. And that's what I'd like to focus on this evening. Verse 6. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. May the Lord bless the reading, preaching, hearing, believing, and responding to his holy word. Well, this morning in this same chapter, but a little, little further, we saw the discussion of Jesus with Pontius Pilate and how he missed him and the Jews missed him for who he was. Many beheld him, but they didn't see him. They didn't hear him. They didn't perceive who Christ is, the Passover, the King of Kings, the Son of the living God. But at other times, it simply was unmistakable. Whatever they did with that information, they couldn't stop from being hit by it. They couldn't stop by being moved by it. If not seen, he was felt. And it moved powerfully. And we don't mean when we say, oh, I was moved in my heart. We mean, I mean, physically moved. It physically shoved these men. And it was his voice. You know, sometimes I like to flip through YouTube shorts. I've learned about after I learn how to do that for the church, usually while I'm uh, rocking a baby to sleep for a moment. And I've noticed a number of these uh, YouTube short videos where there's a martial artist. I, I don't really gather what his particular expertise is, but it's really interesting. He'll be standing with his hand right at the chest of someone, like almost touching it. And... You're kind of waiting for it, and then all of a sudden, he just does this move. You can almost 
not see that he did it. And the guy shoots back, falls backward and lands on his back. Like, I mean, really far back. And it's, it's just this impressive example of such power, such power packed in something like that. Hold on one moment. We need to get someone upstairs. Gideon's upstairs by himself with the video camera. I don't know if Abraham's in the bathroom, but we can't let that happen. Hopefully he didn't stop it. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, I don't want him falling off the balcony is my main concern. <laughs> so We get uh, only a glimpse of this glorious power of Christ who does the same thing by speaking. He just speaks, and it's almost like, you know, those, you know, sound has a physical force to it, right? He speaks, and these men stumble back, and then they fall down on the ground. Jesus' power is so great that his very voice can cause men to physically stumble and fall. I give that to you as the main point of this verse tonight. Jesus' power is so great that his very voice can cause men to physically stumble and fall. He has power. He has authority over all things. Power to know all things. Verse 4, he knew that Judas was coming. We see in Matthew that he predicted that this would happen according to the scriptures. And then we see that he had the power to face it head on. He faces all things. Verse 4 again, he comes, he comes to them. He meets them on the way. He says, who do you seek? He doesn't hide, but approaches them and calls them out. It's almost like, you know, we kind of have the idea of some people, you know, can I help you? Might be trying to sneak around. Can I help you? And then in verse 5, well, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. It's as if he could be saying, you're looking at him. What are you going to do about that? And he has the power to simply force a physical retreat simply by speaking. Again, verse 6. As soon then as he said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. They went backward and fell to the ground. These men stepped back. You kind of think if somebody pushes force or pushes on you, if it's too much power, you know, you step back. You can't handle it. And then they, then they, even more than that, they fell down into the ground. They could not stand up and against the force of the power from coming from Christ's lips. Likely they were surprised by his directness, considering they're coming in the cover of darkness with weapons. Isn't that something, you know? This is how it always is, right? Cowards, betrayers, they don't have the truth on their side. They come in darkness. They come with lanterns. I mean, isn't that we see in too many scary things in the history of our country? Do it in darkness, abduct someone in darkness. Come with weapons. I mean, really, with weapons, have you ever once seen Jesus do anything that would suggest you needed to come with weapons? So you see, they're coming with weapons, ready to do something. They've obviously come, you know, probably getting themselves psyched up a little bit. We're going to take them. And yet, as soon as he speaks to them, poof, they're on the ground. 
they're on the ground. You see, I don't think, though, it's just his personality. I don't even think it's so much of his breath. It's just his person had the sheer physical force to knock them over. Remember, he is the son of man. He's also the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. And you see that unveiled a bit at the Mount of Transfiguration, the light and power coming from him. He speaks and they fall over. They fell to the ground, not merely out of their fear, but out of his forceful voice as the Lion of Judah. Not only did they hear his voice, they felt his voice like a sonic boom. Matthew Henry writes this. See how he terrified them and obliged them to retire. They went backward and like men thunderstruck fell to the ground. Look with me ahead to John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. John 19, 10 and 11. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? At this point he's being silent, fulfilling the scriptures such as Isaiah 53. Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. But what Jesus is saying is, I know that you think you're in power, but the only reason that you're able to do this is because I've given you that authority. I've given you that power to do it. It's coming from me. You handing me over to the Jews is power I've given you. So Jesus said uh, to Pontius Pilate in the parallel gospel, Matthew 26, 53 to 54, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? He says, do you think I can't do something about this? I can destroy all of you. I can have thousands of angels come down and deal with you all. And let me tell you something. If you read the Old Testament about what angels can do to people, it wouldn't be a fair fight. It wouldn't last very long. You wouldn't know what hit you. And they work for me. After all, remember the birth of Christ again. The heavenly host, his powerful angels, heaven is open and they proclaim the glory of God and the birth of Christ. Turn with me back to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verses 17 to 19. John 10, 17 to 19. Jesus says, Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received, or excuse me. Uh, yes, this commandment have I received of my father. But notice what he says is nobody kills me. I let you. 
crucify me. I let myself go to the grave, and then I have the very power to raise myself up from the grave. And I will. But he does that by power, you see. So often in the scriptures, we, we see the incredible, mighty power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he showed this in John 11. I have the power to raise up myself. Hey, let me give you a little taste of that to come. John chapter 11, verses 1 to 15 to begin with. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. He said that. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. We move ahead to verse 20 and following. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believe thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now turn to uh, look ahead to verses 30 to 34. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with him in the her in the house and comforted her. When they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? 
they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Now, verses 38 to 44. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. And what I want to highlight to you, verse 43 and 44. He had spoken to them, and then he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth. And that's all it took. And his mighty power in his speaking by his voice rose Lazarus from the dead, who was already rotting. He stinketh, Lord. It's been four days, but he rises up good as new. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is. The resurrection is in him. He's the first fruits of it. He's the power of it. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. On the way to heal the daughter of Jairus, a woman with an issue of blood she had for 12 years simply reaches out and touches the garment of Christ. And power came out. Uh, it says virtue, Christ's virtue came out. His power came out and healed her. Just touching, and he turns around and says, I can sense that my power went out. It's just, this is, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God incarnate. His power simply went out by touching his garment, and she was healed of something nobody could heal her of for 12 years. And then when he gets to Jairus' house, he takes his dead daughter by the hand, and he simply speaks to her this word. He says more than this, but the main word, the command is, arise. Uh, he just speaks to this dead person, 12 years old, I believe. Arise. And she indeed rose from her deathbed, alive. He just said to do it. He said it to Lazarus, he says it to this young girl, and they raise up from the dead, because that's the power he has just coming from him as he speaks. In Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10, and it's parallel text in Matthew 8, 5 to 13. 
in Capernaum. A Roman centurion asked Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus agrees to do this, but the centurion says, no, 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 don't go to my house. I'm not worthy of having you come. I'm a man under authority. I'm a man with authority. And I know that he said, I'm recognized you have real authority over death and life itself. I'm seeing this as you don't have to come to my house to heal him. Please just heal him. You have the authority to do that. And he said to Jesus, say in a word and my servant shall be healed. Just speak it. Just speak it and he'll be healed. That's the kind of power I see you have. And Jesus said, so be it done unto thee. He never even went there. He simply said, so be it. And so it happened. And the scripture says exactly at that moment. He didn't even have to be there. That's the power of Christ in his voice. In Luke 4, 38 and 49, through 49, we see that he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Excuse me, that should be 48 and 49. Uh, he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. How we wish we could rebuke a fever. How we wish we could rebuke a cold, let alone other ailments. Jesus just stands over her, and to heal her, he yells at her fever. Get out of here. Be gone. And his power to speak it out is all it took. So Jesus spoke to the stormy wind and waves, and they were still. Remember, Jesus created the world. Turn back to the beginning of the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I want you to hear the, the verses 3 to 4, but I want to start with verse 1. John 1, 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So do you notice this? In the beginning, Jesus, the word, was God. Jesus was there. He was there. All things were created through him. That's what John says of Jesus. And beloved, there's a direct parallel here deliberately with John, with Genesis 1. He's got a similar phrase how he starts this off. It's deliberately alluding to Genesis 1 and following. What do we know from Genesis 1 verse 3? John 1 says Jesus created all things. All things were created through him. He's God. Well, how did he do it? Genesis 1 verses 3 and following. He just spoke it into existence. Let there be. And it was. R.C. Sproul, in his book on the holiness of God, how impressed he is with this, he says, God can create by the sheer force of his divine command. He can bring something out of nothing, life out of death. He can do these things by the sound of his voice. And as we've seen in our text tonight, he can knock people over with his voice. And by the way, the commentators, at least Matthew Henry and John Calvin, uh, interpret it that he's being very meek and mild about it. And if that is the case, consider, and yet it knocks them over. 
causes them to step back and stumble and fall over because of his power, the power of his voice. So we see in the Gospels that they were often astonished because of his power to heal. But we also see in the Gospels they were astonished with Jesus because of his powerful preaching. He spoke with authority, not like men. That's what they said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. It is a cause for awe. It is a cause for wonder. Revelation 1.15, speaking about Jesus Christ speaking. It says, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now remember, Mr. and Mrs. Renner, you went to the Niagara Falls this year. Try to imagine that loud, constant sound of the many waters of Niagara Falls. You kind of feel it. It just is so filling the space in your ears. And that's like the voice of Jesus Christ. By the way, the Revelation says elsewhere a few times, and that's what the praises of Christ will be like in heaven. But further, Jesus will speak, and the dead will be summoned from their graves and physically raised by his authoritative, powerful voice. Jesus, at the second coming, will simply say, Get up! And all the dead will. They'll just obey. They'll just get up. His power, his voice has the power to simply raise them up from the dead. Look with me at John chapter 5, verses 28 to 29. Now, he has already said in this chapter, I believe, that he has the power, his voice has the power to raise people from the dead and give them eternal life. This is the power that he has to save we who are dead, Ephesians 2, and our trespasses and sins, and awaken us and make us alive in him by the Spirit. But there's more to be said about the power of his voice to raise the dead. Look at verses 28 and 29 related to the general resurrection at the last great day of judgment. John chapter 5 verses 28 and 29. Marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and he shall come forth they that have done good oh excuse me and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation but everybody will be raised. Now think about this. Lazarus, four days, he's already rotting. But when Jesus says, come out, he comes out and he's fine. So many people throughout history, you're not even going to be able to find much of anything left of their bodies. Much left anything. And that Jesus says, his voice, verse 28, will raise them from the dead. Notice, notice they'll hear his voice. All the dead will hear his voice. Their eyes will open. Breath back in their body. You can think of Ezekiel. God can make dry bones to, to rise, right? Thinking of the church, of course, the image there. But this is what is actually going to happen, beloved. Jesus is going to speak. And all of the dead of all of human history will be raised. And summoned before his judgment seat before he separates the sheep and the goats and sends the sheep into his father's kingdom and the goats into the kingdom of Satan and hell forever. But just stop and think about that. 
It's his voice. The same voice that spoke all creation into being. The same voice that raised Lazarus from the dead. The same voice that made the waves and the wind stop and be tranquil and still. The same voice that knocked over these men with weapons and lanterns at night onto their buttocks, if not their backs. The same voice is going to raise everybody from the dead, and then they will have to face him who has been given the authority to judge from the Father. And what will his judgment be? Whether they have believed in him or rejected him. John Calvin writes on this text of our text this evening about the forcefulness of Christ's voice that made these men stumble backwards and fall and how the same will happen in the end as he raises them by his voice before speaking them into hell. Those who are the goats. He writes this. We may infer from this how dreadful and alarming to the wicked the voice of Christ will be when he shall ascend his throne to judge the world. At that time, he stood as a lamb ready to be sacrificed, our text this evening. His majesty, so far as outward appearance was concerned, was utterly gone. And yet when he utters but a single word, his armed and courageous enemies fell down. And what was the word? He thunders no fearful excommunication against them, but only replies, it is I. What then will be the result when he shall come, not to be judged by a man, but to be the judge of the living and the dead? Not in that mean and despicable appearance, but shining in heavenly glory and accompanied by his angels. He intended at that time to give a proof of that efficacy which Isaiah ascribes to his voice. Among other glorious attributes of Christ, the prophet relates that, quote, He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and will slay the wicked by the breath of his lips. Isaiah 11 verse 4. Before I continue with Calvin's quote, think about what else is described of Jesus in the Revelation. He has a sword as his tongue in his mouth. Think about that power if you could just speak. Calvin goes on to write this. True, the fulfillment of this prophecy is declared by Paul, that of Isaiah 11, 4, to be delayed till the end of the world. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, which I share with you before continuing his quote in part, says this. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Calvin says this in closing. Yet we daily see the wicked with all their rage and pride struck down by the voice of Christ. And when those men fell down who had come to bind Christ, there was exhibited a visible token of that alarm which wicked men feel within themselves, whether they will or not, when Christ speaks by his ministers. 
Besides, as this was in some measure accidental to the voice of Christ, to whom it peculiarly belongs to raise up men who were lying in a state of death, he will undoubtedly display toward us such power as to raise us even to heaven. Dearly beloved, Think back to the beginning of the Gospel of John. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And remember, as he expressed forgiveness of sins in the Gospels, who has the power to forgive except God? And Jesus said, that's why I'm doing these miraculous healings, to show you the Son of Man has the power to save from sin and death and simply speak it to be so. Beloved, in awe and astonishment as you read the scriptures and as you imagine the reality of his second coming at the resurrection, behold the power of Christ. That is the message for you this evening. Behold the power of Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we behold you, the Lamb of God, with the power to save us from our sins. We behold you in the Great Commission with all power and authority to save people and subdue them to be a willing people in the day of thy power to defend us, rule over us, to restrain and conquer your and our enemies. For you must reign until he puts all your enemies under your feet as a footstool. Oh, Lord, you speak from heaven and you alter the affairs of men on earth. You speak and you powerfully move history for it is your story. You speak and you send back even the demons who cower at your presence and the hearing of your voice and your walk coming near. You speak, and all of us will be raised from the dead. And how thankful we are to know that you have already spoken and raised us from the dead as your elect. And, O oh Lord, when you speak and raise us from the dead, it will be a joyous, joyous reunion, body and soul, with us in your Father's house, enjoying your kingdom forever and ever. We pray indeed, Lord, speak for thy servants are listening. And may you indeed move us from within and move us from without as you call upon us to follow you and hear your voice. And let us hear the voice of the Father from heaven anew. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Hear him. We pray in Jesus' name. And all your people said,